We're talking about character. We're talking about character transformation. And in order to have character transformation, it has to be forged in our life. And a lot of times when heat is applied to our life, we become a little more soft. And when we become a little more soft or when we become a little more yielding, to what God wants to do in our life, then transformation begins to take place. Today, I want to talk to you about persistence. There's many character traits, but I, I deem this a very important character trait. You got to remember this about character transformation. Character transformation will increase your capacity to retain greatness. So I'm nobody great. You got somebody great living on the inside of you. His name's Jesus. And, and that great one, his name's Jesus. The spirit of God dwells in you if you're a Christ follower today. God wants to increase your capacity as an individual with the great one living on the inside of you that he can take a nobody and make them somebody. He, he can take somebody with a terrible past and make a bright future. He can take somebody who is stuck in dead religion and unable to, to really move forward in God and do something special if we yield to character transformation in our life. So persistence. Persistence has the ability to make you or break you. Persistence has to be possessed as people. We have to possess persistence. Persistence is not an option. This is a, a non-optional buy today. You will possess persistence. You will be inspired to grow your ability to have persistence because it will change everything in your life. Persistence is a firm continuance and a course of action in spite of difficulty and opposition. In order to move forward in anything, you have to possess persistence. Opposition is going to come. Difficulty is going to come. Jesus talked about it. He warned us. He let us know what was coming so that we were ready. He said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart because I've overcome the world. In other words, I was 100% man. I understand all of the things that man goes through, mankind. I understand it. I experienced it. <clears throat> and he said, because of that, I want you to take heart. Because if I possess persistence and overcame, you can possess persistence and overcome. The reason we need persistence is because everybody can start something well. Man, I can come to the church for the very first time. I can tap into a live Facebook feed. I can respond to the moving of God in my life when I'm inspired in an environment like this. Everyone can start well but it takes persistence to finish well. And our goal is not necessarily how we start the race, it's how we finish the race. A lot of times, starting the race is a little bit bumpy. I mean, even in my walk with God, I was sharing with our Next Steps class. Earlier I said, I, I, late 1999, I started praying, and in year 2000, I gave my life to Jesus. From about year 2000 to 2002, it was a bumpy road. I was like the runner when the gun went off. I was running at 100%. Well, I was probably running at 200% wind sprint. Little did I know that I was going to start getting tired and get runner's cramps real quick. This was a marathon, not a 100-yard dash. I'm a 100-yard dash type guy. If I can run as fast as I can in a 100-yard dash for a marathon, that's my personality type. 
First couple years were kind of bumpy, but year 2002, it started really dialing in and sinking in and I started leading things in year 2002. It's not a matter of how I started. It's not a matter of what I'm doing right now. It's how I finish is what matters and I have to have persistence. You have to have persistence. The lack of persistence are some of the major causes of failure. The lack of persistence is. Failure in marriage, lack of persistence. Failure in business, lack of persistence. Failure in relationships, right? Failure in parenting, just lack of persistence, tired, giving up. Throw it in the towel. Can't throw in the towel. Nobody's gonna throw in the towel here today. If you got the towel in your hand, guess what? Today it's gonna change. It's not gonna happen. So what we wanna do is look at the life of Jesus a little bit and look at how he displayed persistence for us. I believe that with that, you're gonna pick up a few nuggets, if you would, for your life of where you can apply persistence. You know, persistent through rejection is something Jesus had to deal with. Matter of fact, the road to significance is often paved with rejection. So if I want to be significant, I have to, I must be able to persist through rejection because you will be rejected. Isn't that fun, everybody? You guys ready for rejection? No, we're, we're probably not ready for rejection. It's because we, we, we throw in the towel so easy. Jesus was rejected. And guess what? Let's look at a story right here. He went away from there and came to his hometown. Now, he went away from a place where he was really successful. He was doing miracles and people were buying into Jesus. Saying, man, this is the Messiah. He went away from there to his hometown and his disciples followed him. He said, come on back home with me, guys. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? Who is this guy? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Who is this guy, this common dude? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own household. I want to pause right there. We sang a song earlier about the old wineskin, the old mindset. We've got to do away with the mindset of familiarity so that we don't take something as special as common. Verse 5, and he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. He had to, he had to continue through rejection. Right there was a, a, a great opportunity to quit. Right there was a great opportunity when, when, we're, when we're rejected. That's just Casey. I know where he was. He was frat party one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one back in, you know, 1997, he ain't nobody. That's just my husband. I know what he does with his fingernails. <laughs> Familiarity will breed contempt in our life. It's an amazing thing. It's, it's actually not spiritual at all. 
It actually works against what God wants to do. And that's what happened to Jesus. He, could, he had to be persistent through rejection. See, you're, you're unable to see the talents and the gifts of the life of those closest to you because of familiarity. He's just a carpenter. That's all he is. I know, I, I know his weaknesses. I, I, I'm going to focus on his liabilities or her liabilities more than I'm going to focus on their assets. Do you know, let, let, me let, let me let you in on a little secret here today. Everybody has liabilities. Welcome to planet Earth. Everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. Well, we might have some gymnasts who can, you know, I don't know. But, but rejection is going to come. And, and when we magnify liabilities versus assets, we miss out on something great. We, we miss out on something great. When we come to church and, and the presence of God becomes common, when, when the things about the kingdom become common and, and we're not returning to our first love, which is Christ, then we can miss the very miracle. That means the spirit of God can be moving amongst his people and because you take the things of God as common, you miss the miracle and you miss out on something great. You can't, th- you can't take the kingdom common. The moment you categorize something as common that was sent to be special, you trip over the miracle. You trip over the miracle. So we have to, we have to be aware. We, ha- we have to have self-awareness. We have to have spiritual awareness. You know, Jesus was rejected by those closest to him. The price of significance is rejection. You'll be rejected. And in order to be used by God, sometimes you have to leave the familiar. You have to leave the familiar mindset of that. You have, to, you, have to, you have to leave that mindset of taking the things of God as common. You have to leave the mindset of, of, of taking things that are ordinary, not extraordinary, that should be extraordinary. Sometimes you gotta leave the demographic. Sometimes you gotta leave life-sucking relationships. Jesus kept going through village to village. He, he marveled at their unbelief. He marveled at the prophet that was within him. He marveled and said, you're taking me as common, not with pride, probably with sorrow, I'm going to have to keep moving because there's a group of people who want to hear what I have to say. And he kept moving. See, rejection is going to come. It's it's, it's the pathway to significance. And there's an enemy that will come, and it's a wrong belief that success is a destination. See, if Jesus would have took success as a destination, he would have already arrived. That's an enemy to believe that success is a destination. Success is a journey. It's a continual thing, and the deal is sealed in death. There's some authors by the name of Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. And they became best-selling authors of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, which has now sold over 100 million copies. But watch this. They were rejected by 140 publishers. They were told by their agent, I can't sell this book. (laughs) I'm giving it back to you guys. I bet you those agents have their tail between their legs right now. I mean, that's a pretty strong EQ, a pretty strong emotional intelligence, I might add, to be able to be rejected 140 times and continue with persistence. How many of you have that kind of tenacity? 140 times, anybody in here? Okay, we have an honest second service. Somebody raised their hand in the first service and I was like, brother, you've got to come pray for me. (laughs) 140 rejections. How? It happens. 
it happens. So you can't have that wrong belief that success is a destination because you've got to be persistent in preparation. As a matter of fact, we are not performing at the level of our potential. We're always performing at the level of our preparation. I used to have a coach. His name was Daniel Pavlovsky. He played for the Romanian national soccer team. Played select soccer in San Antonio for quite some time. And uh, he was our trainer. And we used to do five-mile runs at City Park in San Antonio. And part of the five-mile run that we do regularly, by the way, before we did you know, wind sprints, et cetera, and scrimmaging, uh, we would have to get a partner of our size for the five-mile run. And then, you know, it was in and out and in and out and through the woods and all that. And, and uh, what you had to do is you had to get your partner, put, put them on your back, you know, leather legs straddle over the arms. And you would run until you couldn't run no more. And you might have to say, get down, puke a few times, and then hop on him. And then he would run till he couldn't run no more. And you see where I'm going? And this would go on for five miles. And, and, and Danielle said, I'm not going on the run with you guys. Now, this guy was tremendously fit. He could kick a field goal from the zero-yard line with a soccer ball standing right there. Just whack. So it was incredible. I know the World Cup's going on, so I thought it'd be relevant to use this illustration. And he'd say this to us. He'd say, I don't need to know if you cheated and ran in pairs versus running on each other because I'm going to know during scrimmage time. I'm going to know in game time because what he would do is he would watch the inhalation, exhalation. He would watch the rhythm of your mouth during the game. He could look at your mouth and the way you were breathing and he would know if you were doing those five mile runs accurately because of your fitness level. We're never performing at the level of our potential. We're always performing at the level of our preparation. Jesus was a great teacher in this. Paint the picture for you. He was about to choose the 12 apostles that were going to change the world upside down as we know it. Tremendous feat. Tremendous significance. Tremendous potential. And he said, I'm going to show you how to prepare yourself for this We pick up the story, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, and in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 who he named apostles. Never underestimate the power of preparation. And I like to say this, prayer prepares your heart for potential. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. If you're not taking notes, you need to write that down. Prayer prepares your heart for potential. Jesus prayed all night long, and I believe he was laboring in prayer that we don't see disclosed in the Gospels when he was intermingling with these guys, when he was having interaction with these guys, when he was seeing their capacity, when he was seeing the potential that lied on the inside of them that they weren't yet seeing Little did they know they would be martyrs. They didn't see that yet, but Jesus saw something special. And this was a significant day, and he showed us what he did. He prayed all night long. All night long. That means when the, when the sun went down, he started praying. And when the sun came up, he, he walked across that platform, and he chose those apostles. Preparation precedes potential. Preparation precedes p- potential. And I believe in the kingdom of God In order to be counted with the greats, we have to search our heart to keep our motives pure. 
We, 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 and when we search our heart through prayer to keep our motives pure and our heart soft, then it's a seedbed for potential. And, 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 and Jesus is the greatest example of that. He prayed and prepared his heart so his selection could be accurate. Prayer prepares your heart for potential. I want to just make sure that that's the number one thing. I can give you all kind of methodology on preparation and human performance. But I, I, want, to, I, want, I, want, I want to count this thing as the number one thing. And that's prayer prepares our heart for potential and greatness in order to glorify the king, not glorify ourselves. Without prayer, we're glorifying ourselves. With prayer, we're glorifying the king. Prepare your heart with prayer. So I want to encourage you, some of you. And prayer can be simple. Look, I don't have to have all the Bible verses memorized. That, that would be good, though. Yeah, look, I, I can just say, God, help me. Here's, here's what happens when you start praying. This just happened to me last week. So I'm praying. I'm praying to God. And my prayer life, it, it, it's, it's different all the time. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm praying at work. I'm praying at home. Sometimes I'm praying cutting the grass. I'm praying at the gym. I'm, I'm, sometimes I set aside to pray. You know, sometimes I'm just inspired. I go to the back room, take a knee and pray. Nobody knows what I'm doing, right? I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just living normal. And, and what I found is that as I'm praying, uh, I'd get into a conversation with some people last week and I was talking to somebody and they said, what about this and this? I said, this, this, and this. And uh, it wasn't inaccurate, but I knew in my heart it was kind of, uh, not to that individual, they have no clue, but I knew in my heart it was kind of like a, uh, maybe like a hard spot potentially. But I wouldn't have known that unless I would be in prayer. And when you're in prayer, it increases your spiritual awareness. We call that revelation knowledge. When you're in prayer, it increases your self-awareness and God is then able to do little tweaks in your life that prepares your heart for greatness. He is more concerned with your transformation versus your goal or your destination. And when we start focusing in on our transformation versus our destination, our motives are purified and we walk with peace and we realize that God's doing great things. I wouldn't have known that without prayer. I gotta be persistent in preparation because if not, enemy number two is gonna hit me between the eyes, a lifestyle of giving up. When things get hard, human potential runs short and I need the grace of God to empower me to move forward. I mean, grit is a good thing and I, I love grit and, and we should be gritty people. But at the end of the day, as Christ followers, going to places that God is leading us, it's gonna take grace from him to propel us to that place. In other words, codependency on the spirit of God. We don't want to live a lifestyle of giving up. And we give up easy or easier or tempted to give up if our preparation is lacking. You, get, you can get dismayed. You can get confused. Prayer is essential. Opportunities without persistence will be lost. There's a direct correlation between persistence and potential. If you have the habit of giving up, start preparing your heart through prayer and God will strengthen you. He has to strengthen you because there's gonna be difficulty. And you gotta have persistence in difficulty because facing difficulties is inevitable. 
It's gonna happen. Difficulties are coming your way. But persistence goes through the walls of difficulty. Persistence will do that. See, Jesus, our hero, John chapter eight, Jesus answered and said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. Great statement. Don't glorify yourself. Your glory will be nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him, I know him, and if I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar just like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He was being challenged by the religious sect at that time about his identity. Your identity will be challenged, by the way. He was being challenged about his identity. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day and he saw it and was glad. Verse 57, so the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Abraham's the father of faith in the Old Testament. Old man, long time ago. You know what I'm talking about? He said, you're 50 years old. You seen Abraham? Who's this guy, you carpenter? Who are you? Jesus said to him, or to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's a pretty stout statement. He said, yeah, you're I'm year 50. Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They tried to kill him. They wanted to kill him. When he, when he stepped forward in his identity and proclaimed what God was doing in his life, and he said, before Abraham was, I am, they said, we're going to kill you. There's people, there's circumstances, there's demons, there's difficulties that want to destroy your identity in the kingdom. But what you have to do is you have to step forward and you have to say, I am who I am because I am said I am. And you have to stand in the face of difficulty and let the waves hit the boat of your life like Jesus. You have to be persistent. Trying times are no time to quit trying, right? Don't quit in the trenches. Man, don't quit in the trenches. Seasons of difficulty doesn't mean you're heading in the wrong direction. As a matter of fact, seasons of difficulty a lot of times is a hallmark that you're heading in the right direction. Sometimes we are like, man, this is not easy. This is, this is, this is, this is hard. Uh, I don't know what, what's going on. Uh, it must not be God. You know, we put God in all of our sentences and our theology is bad. It must not be God because I'm facing difficulty times. Go back and read your Bible. You're in good company, right? You're in good company. What I say is when there's difficult times, erase the whiteboard at the office. Take out a new journal. Start a new reading plan and change your maneuvering methods. In the trenches is not a time to quit. In the trenches is a time to get a word from God so that you can change your maneuvering methods. And when you change your maneuvering methods, you're able to come out of the trenches. Or let me say it this way, your perspective will change in the, in the trenches and it will accelerate power in your life and you can say there's a better day coming but I ain't going nowhere. You know? It's what it's gonna take, right? It's what it's gonna take. But if not, enemy number three hits us again, a wrong perspective. A wrong perspective. In the trenches, your perspective can be contorted and bent and turned. 
A lot of times in the trenches or when you're facing difficulties or things are not going like you thought they would go, all of a sudden you begin to blame shift. You, you begin to blame shift. You begin to turn on those closest to you. You begin to get an idea that people are against me. Things begin to happen. God's against me. And your perspective is perverted or turned upside down. And that's right where the enemy would want you to be. Wrong perspective. Our expectations don't always match reality. Come on, somebody. I thought this was going to be easier. Anybody do that? When we face with tough situations, we have either... Two cho- we have two choices we can make. We can either dig in and get down in the trenches or we can give up in the trenches. Don't die in the trenches. Look, don't die in the trenches. Erase that whiteboard. Start that new reading plan. Prepare your heart in prayer. Watch God change your perspective and give you another methodology. Because if not, doubt's gonna come in and you're gonna begin to doubt Everything that you believe God was telling you to do. You're going to begin to doubt God. You're going to, you're going to be doubting. You're going to be doubting even hearing God. What's going on in my life? You've got to be persistent through doubt. See, faith is a choice that has to be made regardless of your feeling. It's a choice. Faith, faith is a free will choice. I'm going to choose faith even if my mind is going crazy. Come on, somebody. Look, you know, sometimes you got to choose faith when your mind's being bombarded and, and those thoughts are coming in are affecting your emotions and affecting your, your central nervous system. But then you just stand and you open that mouth and look, spiritual warfare, technique number one. Acknowledge God in all your ways. Acknowledge God in the struggle. Acknowledge God where you're at. Acknowledge God in your uh, lack of understanding. Acknowledge God in your doubt. Because acknowledging God is a seed of faith And a mustard seed of faith can move a mountain. Don't ever think that just a little bit of faith won't get the job done. Because there's always a little bit of faith left in you. I think about the greatest prophet the world has ever seen. His name was John the Baptist. Jesus said there's no prophet greater than him. There's no prophet that came before him or after him that's greater than him. And they put him in prison. They're going to kill him. And you know what he said? He said, did I, did I get it right? Did, did I hit the Messiah? Did I prophesy about Jesus? And Jesus heard word of that. So go back and tell John the sick are being healed, the dead are being raised, and the kingdom is expanding. Keep your faith going, prophet. A little bit of faith. Come on, somebody. A little bit of faith. A little bit of faith. Help me out here, church. A little bit of faith. Has anybody in this room got a little bit of faith in them? Make some noise if you got a little bit of faith in you. Got a little bit of faith in you. Got a little bit of faith in you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day, raised again. And Peter took him to the side and he began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, that this shall ever happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The voice of doubt will come at an opportune time. This is one of Jesus's closest guys. How do you like it when somebody closest to you says, I don't see that in your life? Could have threw in the towel, but he said, get behind me, Satan. They had a pretty good relationship. You know, Tom's a new staff member. If I could go to Tom and say, get behind me, Satan, I think we're really going <laughs> 
Just kidding, bro. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. But, G- but Jesus, look, in the opportune time, I'm sure he was being bombarded in his mind and his heart, that in his identity as Savior and, and, and in his trajectory, which was the cross. I'm sure there was warfare going on and the warfare was heavy, but yet he was plowing anyway. And at the opportune time, somebody close to him said, no, you're not going to go that direction. Voice of doubt will come at the opportune time and we have to recognize it as it is. Once you recognize it, label it. Label it for what it is. Voice of doubt. That's right, it'll come in your own conscience. It'll come in your mind. It'll come from somebody close to you. It'll come, it's like a laced arrow with a deadly poison on it that gets into your mind Once it gets into your mind, it starts to uh, elaborate. It starts to build. It starts to mutate. It It starts to begin to build a fortress in your mind. And the best thing you can do is not entertain it for a long period of time. The more you prepare your heart in prayer, the more aware you're going to be when thoughts like this come in and the more powerful you're going to be. So when they come in and the arrow's lace, you just pour it, you just pull it off, put a little salve of, of the word of God on there and watch that thing heal overnight and you keep moving forward. The problem is when we're not preparing ourselves in prayer and we're not self-aware, and we're not spiritually aware that what's happening to us, that thing begins to uh, uh, infiltrate our life. It begins to grow. It begins to dominate. And then all of a sudden, your attitude starts changing. And all of a sudden, your heart starts changing. And then it takes a period of time, and you might be in a service like this, or you might be in a worship experience, and God highlights that thing, and you say, man, that's doubt. That thing was trying to destroy me. It happened six months ago, but because I wasn't spiritually aware, I could have dealt with it then, but we're going to deal with it now. And then God still has grace. If not, when doubt comes, enemy number four can take you out, which is a lack of resiliency. Lack of resiliency. It's the enemy. We must not become dry, brittle, and inflexible. We must bounce back no matter how we feel, and that's where we choose faith. Because in these times, man, there's going to be temptation that comes to us. And we have to be persistent through temptation. As a matter of fact, there will be circumstances that try to persuade you from your mission. Stay focused. Stay focused. And don't be amazed when things try to persuade you from your mission. You say, what is my mission? I'm not sure. Do you have a mission? Your mission might be praying for your son or daughter and hoping they come to service. And every week you see something different. Don't be persuaded by your circumstances. It might be a business adventure. It might be a ministry thing. It might be God's calling you to start a small group. It might be sharing your faith. It doesn't matter what it is. You need to move forward in Jesus' name. Right? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Man, you guys are on the move. Luke chapter 22, verse 39, and he came out and he went as his custom was, Jesus, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, do it. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you might not enter into temptation. This is the garden of Gethsemane. This is the pivotal point. This is the final hours of Jesus's life where he's about to go to the cross and fulfill his ministry, fulfill every prophecy that's been prophesied about him and die a gruesome death of torture and he's getting tired he's being attacked major stress can cause you to want to quit major stress and temptation is the strongest when you're tired but what did he do he knelt and prayed and he said look God if, if, you, if there's any other way to do this man God please take, take it from me he want to be tortured to death but he said, nevertheless, your will be done. He acknowledged God in his weakness in the, in the most pivotal moment. The most, it was a crisis. Sometimes there's a crisis in our life and what we do have to just kneel down and acknowledge God. And the angel strengthened him, but he continued moving forward. See, fear will attempt to paralyze you. And fear is a temptation. It was bombarding Jesus. The formula for success is persisting until you succeed. If you give up during temptation, you'll never experience the victory. Never. And a lot of times the reason we give up in temptation, under major stress, in a crisis, knowing God's call us to do something, the reason sometimes we give in and give up is because of a lack of vision. Enemy, enemy number five, a lack of vision. Lack of vision. People who display persistence keep a larger vision in mind as they toil away at their mission. People with persistence keep a larger picture in mind as they toil away at persistence. I just thought about my mom. Before I got saved, 1999, she was in a small group, a family small group, and every night she was having nightmares that alligators were destroying me and killing me. She'd wake up and weep and night after night after night after night, and she persisted in prayer. She continued to pray. She continued to pray. Her small group leaders continued to pray for them. Matter of fact, they're right here, Ken and Kathy Timms. They continued to pray for me. They continued to pray for me. She started posting prayers on doorways, and that might seem tacky, but she was desperate. And she continued to pray in year 2000, I bend my knee to Jesus. And it worked. She had a vision. She had a vision. My dad had a vision of restoring his relationship back with his son. And I moved in with my dad after I got saved. And things changed for us. See, Jesus had a vision. I, I, I can imagine the, the spiritual revelation, the things that, that the normal eye can't see with the senses. I'm sure Jesus started peering into the spiritual corridors of eternity from generation to generation. I just have to believe that the angel, the spirit of God was unveiling that for Jesus. And when he was going to the torture stick, he saw you right here today in the 21st century. I just have to believe that God was unfolding revelation in his mind, which was a larger vision that caused him to persist despite the temptation to quit. He saw you, ma'am. 
He saw you, sir. He lived with the end in mind. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. I want to pray for you. I don't know where you are, but we need persistence. So Father, I thank you for the church right now. God, I thank you for every person tuned in. God, I pray right now that we would possess persistence. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would begin to enlighten areas in our life where we need to persist forward, where we need to continue despite all of the obstacles. Lord, I'm praying that by the power of your spirit, God, you would increase the capacity supernaturally for us to possess persistence like you did with the men of God in the days of old and like you do with us now, God. So I wanna thank you for the church, God. I wanna pray right now for people who need a relationship with Jesus. He persisted to the cross for you. And I don't know where you are, ma'am, where are you, sir, whether you're watching online, in the room right now, but Jesus wants a relationship with you. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a prayer here in just a moment. And if you'd say, that's me, I wanna be included in that prayer, I want you to just lift your hand and put it right back down. Thank you for your hand, sir. Yep, I see your hands. Yes, sir. God loves you, put your hand up, God loves you. Yes, I see your hands. See your hands over there. God loves you. And I'm gonna pray a prayer and you're just gonna repeat this prayer. You're, you're, you're gonna agree with this prayer and God's gonna do a miracle in your life. Just say, God, I need you. God, I need you. I'm tired of doing things my way. Help me to start doing things your way. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. You're saying that right now, under your breath, in your heart. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I commit my life for you. I repent of my sins. Right now, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Fill the emptiness in me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to trust you. Help me to love you. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Let's give it up, church, for those who prayed that prayer. Yeah. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.